And it is God in whose name we are gathered here today. And the Bible tells us when two or more are gathered in his name we are, and he is there with us. And we believe in his promise that his son came down from heaven, became fully God and fully man at the same time, and he paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross and shedding his blood, the ultimate sacrifice, a thing we could not do on our own. And today we are gathered here to hear from him, speak to Pastor Chris, Lord, that his words be your words, that our lessons today can change our lives, that we don't stop worshiping here on Sunday when we leave here, when we get in our cars and we drive away and we go have lunch, that we continue to worship you through our thoughts and in our actions with our heart, soul, body, and mind. Everything that we are, that we continue to worship you so those that don't know you out there in the world can call you Lord, can see something in us that's different, can see something in us that is joyful and has hope and has a future. And may they look in, in us and see, I want some of that. I want to know what that is. And we look upon us as a reflection of you and your love. Because it's not us. It's not about us. It is about you. And Lord, again, we just thank you for the precious gift of your Son. And it is in his name that we pray. And all of his people say, Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so very much. Certainly has been a joy to be with the uh, Rock Point family this morning and uh, a period of worship. And I want to thank you so much for uh, your past support of Cornerstone and what we are trying to do in the South Dallas Fair Park community. Your young people have been down on several occasions to help us to uh, minister to our homeless population and uh, also have helped us to uh, provide school supplies for many needy children in that community. And so we cannot thank you enough for your heart of compassion and concern for the least, the last, the lost, and the lonely, and uh, allowing us to share God's love to them in so many tangible ways. Certainly want to invite you out on the fifth Sunday uh, for the breakfast that uh, your church provides for our community, and uh, we're looking forward to that partnership continuing to grow. Uh, started uh, the last fifth Sunday as part of uh, an opportunity where your church uh, was going out into the community and serving at different locations, and so we invite you out on the fifth Sunday to sign up to be a part uh, of that event. I think volunteers and food is still needed and so we're looking forward uh, to that as well. Last time we anticipated 250, had 300 and uh, it's a great way for us to connect to our community and to get them into Bible study uh, and moving them along the discipleship process so that they become lovers of God and lovers of their uh, family as well. So we thank you so much for the many ways in which you serve us. Uh, and serve with us at Cornerstone. And for those of you who might come down uh, on the fifth Sunday for that service, please don't tell those in our congregation that I actually can preach a message less than 50 minutes. I have been trained to think that it takes 50 minutes to work it up, baby. <laughs> uh, I want to call your attention to a very familiar passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. Uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, and it's one that you have grown up with, uh, have learned in Sunday school and vacation Bible school, a very familiar passage of Scripture where Jesus challenges us to take a look at our neighbors and those around us and those who are in need and uh, how we can be used by God to help those who are in need of help in his name. The situation uh, arises in 
Luke chapter 10 verse 25 uh, when an expert of the law stands up to test Jesus and oftentimes Jesus was tested by uh, the religious establishment as a way of trying to diminish his credibility among the crowds that were following uh, were following him. And so this, uh, this expert in the law stood up on an occasion and raised the question to Jesus, Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit, e- inherit eternal life? What must I do and what are the signs that I really have this thing called eternal life? Jesus replied to him, what, what is written in the law? And after all, you are an expert of the law, and uh, how do you read and how do you understand uh, the law as it relates to one having eternal life? And not necessarily what do I have to do to get eternal life as much as what do I do to demonstrate that I do have eternal life. The lawyer replied to Jesus according to verse 27, uh, two things. Number one, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and and with all your mind. You must love the Lord on one hand with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. And not only must you love the Lord your God, but on the other hand, you must love your neighbor. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And truly that was the law as given in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 and Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 that that two things, the law can be summarized in two areas. One, have a love for God and have a love for people, a love for your neighbor. As he replies to this particular question from Jesus about what the law says related to one who has eternal life, Jesus says, you have answered correctly. If you do this, you will live. If you do this, this demonstrates that your eternal life is genuine, that it is real, that it's more than just lip service. But as the man thought about the answer, that if what is necessary for me to demonstrate that I have eternal life is to love God and love my neighbor, I have no problem loving God. I have no problem talking about I'm closer to God than a stamp to a letter, than a bird and a feather, that me and God are anti, me and God really have it going on. But when it comes to people, that's another situation. And, and someone has well said that I could live for the Lord if it just wasn't for people. That if I just didn't have to deal with people. And so Jesus, this young man, instead of recognizing that he had an issue with people, instead of recognizing and realizing that that was one of the greatest challenges of his life. Verse 29 says that he attempted to justify himself. Instead of saying, you know, Lord, I, I need help when it comes to loving people. I need help when it comes to being there for my neighbor. I need help when it comes to being there for those who are the least, the last, the lost, and the lonely. I need help for those, when it comes to being there for those who are less fortunate. The, the text says that he attempted to justify himself as opposed to really try to get right with God in that area. And so he raises a question to Jesus, Jesus, who is my neighbor, the one that I need to be concerned about, the one who I need to be there for, the one who I need to help? Jesus, in reply to this man's question, gives a parable, a story, an illustration of one who was a true neighbor. 
And the text goes on to say, verse 29, that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the road from Jerusalem to Jericho descended some 33,000 feet over a 17-mile area. It was a sharp decline where oftentimes there were many twists and turns in the road where people would oftentimes hide to take advantage of those who were walking by. Many were beaten, were robbed, were, 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 had things stolen from them, as we will see in this text, during that dangerous road, that dangerous trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. In fact, it says that as that man traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho, he was attacked by robbers. And as he was attacked by robbers, he was stripped of his clothes, beaten, and they left him half dead. That man started down that road that day from Jerusalem to Jericho, not intending to be a victim. That man started down that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, not intending to find himself in a tough situation. That man, as he journeyed that day along this road of life, did not intend to find himself in a situation where he would need a hand up. But it happened. He found himself in a bad, a tough situation where he needed somebody to help him. He did not intend that day to find himself in that situation, but there are times in life where things happen and people find themselves in tough situations. We serve in a community where we meet a lot of people who, as they've traveled down the road of life, found themselves in some bad situations. In a community where 97% of the children live in single-family homes, 50% of the 56% of the grandchildren are raising, the grandparents are raising at least one grandchild. There's oftentimes tough situations and poverty and being in an impoverished situation that causes people to be in a bad circumstance as they travel the road of life. In fact, it reminds me of a gentleman that was written about by a great author in a, a good literary, literary piece. And, uh, you maybe remember the piece. It was a story written by Mother Goose. And in, the, in a nursery rhyme written by Mother Goose, she told the story of a gentleman named Humpty Dumpty. And you know Humpty Dumpty's story as she reflected on it. She said, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. As you look at the nursery rhyme, evidently this man named Humpty Dumpty one day started out on his journey. He started out that day not thinking that anything bad would happen. He started out that day just like this man, not thinking that he would need individuals. But he got tired. And in the weariness of his journey, Mother Goose said, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Well, when he went to lean back, he had a great fall. And can you imagine the scene? Humpty Dumpty is on the ground. His life is shattered. He is broken into a thousand pieces. His life is a mess. Well, as much like our political landscape, thinking that if, you, if a person's life is in a mess, what you do is give them more government, so he dispatched all of the king's horses 
and all of the king's men. And the only mission that they had was to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But you know the story. That even though they had invested dollars in all of the king's horses and all of the king's men showed up, they could do nothing to put that broken man's life back together again. In fact, when they got there to help Humpty Dumpty, they left Humpty Dumpty as Humpty Dumpty was Humpty Dumpty. They left that broken man just as broken up as that broken man was broken up in the first place. They could do nothing to do anything to help that man in, his, in the midst of his messed up situation. And oftentimes we have found that that's what happened when people try to help messed up people they oftentimes leave messed up people more messed up than they were in the first place. And we believe that God has called the church, his people, to make a difference in the lives of broken up people. Because the text says it was by chance at that verse 31 that a priest happened to be going down that same road. And the priest was one who was a representative to God for the people. The priest had worked in the temple setting, that he was there to, to be there to help people. He had preached and proclaimed many messages of the Old Testament about our responsibility to help the poor. In fact, it says not only did the priest, but also his assistant, the temple assistant, the Levite, came along the, side, the same road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And certainly, the priest and the Levite had heard many messages about our responsibility to help the poor. They had read Proverbs chapter 31, which says, Whoever is kind to those who are needy honors God. They had read scriptures like Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will reward him for what he has done. They had read Proverbs like Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. Whoever sheds his ear to the cry of the poor will cry out and not be heard. But when it became an opportunity to put into practice what they had learned inside the walls of the temple, outside to the hurting world, they failed. They passed by. They acted as if it was not their responsibility. They had been inside the walls, but not taken it and put it into action outside. Reminds me much of a football game. Those in Texas certainly love Friday night football. And if you watch a football game, every now and then, a team will break and huddle up. They will get in the huddle, and while they're in the huddle, they will receive calls or instruction about what they should do from their leader, the quarterback. Well, the thing about the huddle is nobody pays money to watch you huddle up. In fact, if you stay in the huddle too long, you get penalized. Because people make judgments about how successful your huddle was based on what you do 
when you break the huddle. Well, church is much like a huddle. When we come to get our instruction to break huddle and score against our opponent. But you know, just like a football, no football game, no one says, didn't we have a good time in the huddle today? They didn't, they don't say, did the coach, did the, did the quarterback call great plays while we were in the huddle today? The whole purpose of the huddle is to break huddle to score against our opponent. But oftentimes in the church, if we're not careful, we'll start enjoying the huddle and never break huddle to score against our opponent, the evil one. We'll say we sang well as we huddled up today. Didn't the preacher preach well in the huddle today? In fact, if we're not careful, we'll spend a whole lot of money to make sure our huddle looks good. But the question is, when we break huddle to go beyond these walls, what difference has our huddle made? This priest and Levite were given an opportunity to put the Word of God into action. They were given an opportunity to make a difference in the life of an individual whose life was destroyed, but they failed. But the text says, verse 33, a Samaritan, one who was despised, one who was rejected, one who was not of the, the Jewish race. As he went down that same road and saw that same man in a distressful situation, he was willing to stop in the midst of his journey to go to where that man was. And it's interesting because the text says he saw him. And it is so easy to go by people and never see them. To look beyond their hurts. To look beyond their pain. To look beyond their tough situation. This Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where that man was. And when he saw that man in that distressful situation, unlike the priest and the Levite, who probably said that if I help this man, maybe this is a setup. Maybe we will end up in the same situation. Maybe I have so much to do, I can't stop what I'm doing to minister to him. This man, when he saw this man's situation, took pity or had compassion on him. He was moved by this man's situation. He went in and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, soothing his pain. And then he was willing to inconvenience himself and took this man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him 
recognizing and realizing that sometimes when you help broken up people, there is no quick fix. That he realized that if I'm going to help this man, I got to stay for the long haul. That's why we've been appreciative of churches like Rock Point and their partnership with us at Cornerstone to be the body of Christ in the hands of feet of Jesus. The many in the South Dallas Fair Park community who oftentimes, just like this, just like this man who has fallen on some tough times. They did not start out in life with that intent, but life has happened. And we believe, as I said, that it is the church's responsibility to meet, to meet them at that point of need, to share with them the message of hope in Christ Jesus. Through our partnership with many churches like Rock Point, we're able to uh, meet men who are coming out of prison, men and now women who are coming out of prison, to help them make a smooth transition back into the community. And so, if God so moves your heart, we oftentimes need those who are willing to walk with guys who have gotten in trouble, who need another chance to mentor them, to help them fill out resumes, to help them fill out applications, to get jobs. We oftentimes come across children who, as I said, come from environments where they're being raised by single parents or grandparents, and oftentimes single parents don't have the time to help them with their homework, and grandparents don't know how to help them with their homework. And so we provide a homework center Monday through Friday with the goal of helping kids stay on task to complete their homework assignments successfully. We provide a kitchen, a formal liquor store that was converted to a kitchen where we provide meals. And your young people have come down to help us to provide meals to the homeless as a way of just letting them know God has not forgotten you to giving them a hug, a smile, a word of encouragement. Your young people have written notes to encourage them as they journey through life, and those homeless people have gone through tough situations where they have no one to encourage them to get a note from a kid that reminds them that Jesus loves you. We try to provide computer literacy classes to help those who are oftentimes struggling to get a job and if they get a job that they don't know how to use computers in order to help them to have a successful uh, opportunity to get employment, gainful employment, there are ways of the church trying to respond to the needs of those in the community. Because we've come to realize even the government's best attempt to help Humpty Dumpty oftentimes leave that man more messed up than that man was in the first place. You ever notice we invest more dollars into helping the homeless? Well, the homeless population is on the rise. We invest more dollars to try to reduce teen pregnancy. We have more teenagers getting pregnant. We, have, we invest more dollars trying to reduce uh, drug activity. We have more drugs on the street. Oftentimes, the world's way of trying to address social problems leaves the community in a worse state. We believe that it is the church's responsibility to meet them at their point of need. Just like this Samaritan, seeing their need, getting to know their name, feeling their hurt, feeling their pain, 
having compassion on them, pouring in <clears throat> oil and wine, trying to <clears throat> meet them at a point of need in their lives, realizing that it's no easy fix, that oftentimes helping people is not a, like a microwave, it's sometimes like a slow cooker, that it's a long process, that walking with people as they walk through life, trying to get them on a better journey. So this man, this Samaritan, tells them, the next day, verse 5, he tells the innkeeper, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and says, watch after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for whatever expenses that you may have. Because we discovered that sometimes it takes money to help people. Jesus, raising the question to this gentleman, to this lawyer who wanted to know who was a real neighbor, says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? Who do you think was really a friend? The expert of the law replied, it was the one who had mercy on him. To which he says to that religious leader, to that expert in the law, go and do likewise. And that's what God oftentimes challenges us. That all around us are hurting people. And sometimes we can dress up our hurt so it may look like we're not hurting. But God allows us to come across the footsteps of people who have been battered and broken along the road of life. And the question is, will we be like the priest and the Levite to pass by on the other side? Or the good Samaritan willing to go and meet them at their point of need to walk with them as they walk through some very difficult times. You know, when you look at the story of this Samaritan, the reason why Jesus can say, go and do likewise, because it's what he's done on our behalf. When we were battered, when we were along the road of life, when our lives were a mess, in fact, as the favorite hymn, the familiar hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a, saved a wretch like me. When we were in that type of a situation, Jesus did not pass us by. He came to meet us at a point of a need in our lives and provided an answer. And it is a process where he is still working on us. And that's why discipleship is so important. Because someone has well said that I'm not what I'm going to be. But I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. That it is a process as we walk along this journey of life. Jesus says, go and do likewise to minister to the hurts of those who are hurting in my name. Because what we've discovered is a man may be hungry, but he can recover from that. 
A man may be thirsty, but he can recover from that. A man may not have a place to live, but he can recover from that. But if a man dies and has not come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he has just been dealt a blow from which he shall never recover. Jesus says, which was a neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? It was the one who had compassion on him. And so he says, I challenge you to go and do likewise. Thank you.